Welcome to Policy Pod, PORF podcast. This episode is part of the Raisena Dialogue 2021, India's annual premier conference on geopolitics and geoeconomics. The conference is hosted by ORF in partnership with the Ministry of External Affairs, Government of India. Um, I'm Robin Nibbler, Director of Chatham House. My very great pleasure to have this opportunity to interview um, or have a conversation with Hamid Karzai, uh, as you all know, President of Afghanistan between 2001 and 2014, uh, two elections won, and a democratic handover to your successor. These are things maybe we now assume are normal and take for granted, but I think um, a very important element of your legacy for Afghanistan and uh, as everyone here will appreciate remains a very important and influential figure within Afghanistan uh, and its politics. Um, we've got a limited amount of time so I want to jump straight in if I may. Um, we discussed briefly uh, yesterday uh, with your national security advisor uh, uh, Mubi uh, yesterday the issue of the election. Election held back on September 28th Uh, preliminary results announced on December 22nd, giving uh, the incumbent, uh, President Ashraf Ghani, a bit over 50% of the vote, 50.6% or so. So it means he avoids a runoff, but we've now entered, or have entered still, this period of confirming the election results. Uh, a million of the 2.7 million votes uh, uh, removed for irregularities, purged from the roll. It's leaving really a little under at least by my rough, very rough calculations, under 20% of the registered voters uh, having then had a chance to give their vote. And even that number is a very small proportion of the 37 million uh, Afghans uh, today. How credible, how powerful, uh, how capable then can a government be with what strikes me as a limited democratic mandate given how many people's vote was able to be brought in? Are you worried that you know, the position of President Ghani um, will be at all affected by this uh, protracted period uh, between the results and what's uh, the, the ultimate amount of people who voted. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Afghanistan, uh, unfortunately, uh, after the initial successes that we had in uh, uh, the early 20s, is going through a very difficult period because of conflict, because of uh, the arrival of more extremist groups on our soil and their operation, and because of the continuation of uh, massive casualties for the Afghan people and a territory that's not all controlled by the government. So, It was expected that the elections would be uh, difficult, that it would be extremely hard for, for the election uh, you know, institutions, uh, the managers of the election, to attract people to come and vote. All of those factors were known. And it is within this environment that the country conducted elections. My personal view has been now for some time that uh, we needed to have uh, focused entirely on the peace process. Mm. 
Mm. Uh, so that with that, with peace in Afghanistan, then there would have been a greater chance of uh, enfranchisement for the Afghan people to come and participate. So there would have been no denial uh, to right. uh, the majority of the Afghans to, to come and vote. Is the circumstances of the country, the conflict in the country, the major power plays in Afghanistan and the regional arrangements, the complexity of the whole situation that makes our elections uh, what they are. Yeah. And therefore, the, uh, uh, that is the context. The government, once confirmed, should be able to set aside this period and be able to then act uh, uh, cogently and coherently thereafter? Well, <clears throat> whatever emerges uh, from this uh, troubled period and from the, from the troubled elections uh, will depend a great, great deal on whether the government that emerges from these elections will be able to attract a broader, uh, broader audience of uh, uh, Afghans into cooperation with the government. Do you think it will need to be some type of coalition, even though it's not the kind of 50-50 thing that uh, result that took place last time? Would it be a wise thing to be doing? I'm not advocating coalitions. I'm advocating a, a, a broader mandate, a broader outreach, right. whatever form that may take. For, the, for one purpose only, for the sole purpose of the country moving faster, to negotiating with our fellow Afghans, the Taliban. I don't see any other way for Afghanistan but the success of the peace process. Yep. As a matter of fact, no country on earth would see a better day with, with, with conflict unless they have peace, and yep. that's what we should be seeking. So that brings us a little bit actually to the US role, and, and before I come to the peace process specifically, I wanted just to um, draw in the role of the United States, which obviously has placed such an outsized uh, importance in the current situation in Afghanistan and in its future. Um, you were notably critical of the U.S. role, probably from the mid-2000s onwards, but increasingly as your presidency went on, mm -hmm. you made some pretty strong uh, uh, statements about the way the amount of money that was being poured in, I think in the end it's been about $133 billion over a 10-year-plus period, um, certainly since 2001, over $7.5 billion a year. Um, that, that amount of money, in a way, was, was not helping, that the approach to security was not necessarily helping. There's just been, I think many of the people here will know, uh, initially leaked and now, I think, released a set of papers from the uh, Inspector General uh, for Afghanistan Restruction in, in the U.S., which ended up actually confirming some of your, uh, your worries. Mm -hmm. To what extent can Afghanistan succeed so long as the United States is as actively involved? Where do you want to see the U.S.? Do you see it as a long-term partner? The sooner they're out, the better. Where, where, you know, what are the choices? Well, I, <clears throat> I'm, I'm very clear on that. The reason I refused to sign the bilateral security agreement with the United States was because uh, they could not make a promise of peace for us. They uh, wanted the BSA, the Bilateral Security Agreement, but they also wanted to continue um, fighting in Afghanistan, continue in a situation of conflict in Afghanistan and for the Afghan people. That wasn't acceptable. Mm -hmm. My condition was clear. Bring us peace, bring us security, 
Let's have a better managed relationship with Pakistan and our neighbors, and then you're welcome to stay in Afghanistan. Now, too, uh, that, now that the U.S. has started the peace process, which is, yep. a, which is a very, very good thing, which we strongly support and have given the support to Ambassador Khalilzad to carry on. Uh, the overwhelming majority of the Afghan people would agree to the U.S. presence in Afghanistan provided Afghanistan becomes peaceful and the Afghan people are given the opportunity to live in a dignified way in their own country, meaning that there is no interference in our affairs, that they don't set the election results for us, that they don't uh, do things that would hurt our sovereignty or sentiments. With that condition, uh, the pillar of which is, of course, peace, yep. Yep. then the U.S. may be given the right to stay. But that decision has to be made by the Afghan people through the proper institutions that represent the Afghan people. That does bring us then, I think, to the negotiations, because uh, these have been ongoing, as you know, very actively uh, through 2019, 10 rounds, some ups and downs, uh, visits to Camp David, then the peace process is dead. Now it started again back in December. You went out to Moscow a couple of times. I think you helped arrange mm -hmm. this intra-Afghan uh, dialogue. Mm -hmm. But in the end, uh, the negotiations right now, as I understand it from the U.S. side, are partly about uh, will U.S. forces stay or not. The Taliban position is pretty clear on that. If there's going to be an agreement, no foreign forces remain. Mm -hmm. So you may welcome their continuation uh, under the right circumstances, but this is going to be a very difficult negotiation if that's where we end up. What would your red lines be in these negotiations that they hit this really critical phase right now? Um, is it about the human rights element, uh, women's rights, education? Is it more about U.S. troop presence? Where do you think the, the, the landing point might be for these very difficult negotiations? It's a myriad of issues. It's a lot of issues. Between us and our fellow Afghans, the Taliban, is the issue of us, the Afghan people, regaining the control of our destinies. And that cannot happen unless we have peace. Once we have that, then it is for us, Afghans, including the Taliban, to determine the parameters that would determine our way forward. Is it a new constitution? Is it a, an amended constitution? A modified constitution? Uh, is it going to be governments created by elections or by other means? These are issues that we can discuss. But there are also fundamentals on which right now I can talk as a citizen of Afghanistan to you yep. that I will not compromise. That's the right of our girls to educate. That's the right of our girls to go in and, and work. That's the right of the society to grow. That's the right of uh, the Afghan youth to rise like the rest of the world uh, the youth is doing. But together again, us and the Taliban, we must also sit down and agree on how far are we going to engage with the United States. Hmm. Will we allow the United States to stay in Afghanistan? And under which circumstances, under which conditions, will peace be definitely something that we will be seeking from the United States? Is, of course, yes, we are seeking that. So uh, there, are, there are two principal um, uh, sides to this. As far as the peace process is concerned, is Afghans and the Taliban, and Afghans together and the US, and then on conditions for us internally, 
and on conditions for us with the United States and the rest of the world. You know, there's been quite a bit of concern that right at this incredibly sensitive moment of the negotiations, um, the role of Iran in the United States might end up interfering in, in the process of negotiation and the, the search for peace. Obviously, the assassination of General Qasem Soleimani uh, was a pretty dramatic moment. You were outspoken uh, in your views on it. I think I'm, if you don't mind, I'll quote your tweet. This action brazenly violates all international norms and threatens to further destabilize the region. And you obviously offered your condolences uh, to Soleimani's family. Um, now, would you still subscribe to the view that this was potentially the beginning of a moment of deep instability? Um, we had uh, Foreign Minister Zarif here yesterday. I certainly, like everyone else here, heard his references to the need maybe for an arms control track underneath the uh, a kind of OSCE for the Middle East. He was definitely, I heard, at least in putting out uh, alongside all of the traditional complaints about the United States and, and, and the reasons even for the shooting down of the airliner, the tragic uh, events that took place there. I was trying to hear, uh, uh, there was a bit of outreach. And I'm wondering whether you deeply worried that this moment has now created more instability and spillover to Afghanistan? Or do you think with hindsight now it looks like maybe the drama and the de-escalation that's following it uh, could lead this to be a more productive environment. Therefore, Iran doesn't become a problem in Afghanistan. Very, very good question. Uh, I was in Tehran uh, after the uh, assassination of uh, General Soleimani on a pre-arranged visit. Uh, two very grave developments took place there. The assassination of uh, General Soleimani and the uh, uh, the coming of the people of Iran to the streets in protest in millions and millions of people, showing the unity of the Iranian people and the pride that they have for their country. And then the extremely unfortunate uh, downing of the uh, Ukrainian plane, which uh, made everybody sad, including uh, the Iranian people. These two very grave developments definitely are going to impact how the Iranians see themselves and their future. What I saw there in Tehran was, while there was anger, extreme anger at what the US had done, I also felt that there was a lot of wisdom shown in not overtly aggravating the situation beyond repair. I saw the same thing in the US in their, in their remarks and their statements. I saw President Trump's statement after um, uh, the Iranians retaliated and he was um, a lot more reconciliatory than, than, than we had heard it before. So I do see an opportunity and I hope there is an opportunity. As a neighbor, uh, Iran is um, uh, one of our greatest neighbors. We share language, culture, religion, and a lot more history. We have had very good relations with the Iranians despite US presence in Afghanistan, and the Americans have also been all right as far as this relationship is concerned. So we very much hope as Afghans, as neighbors of Iran, and as a country with, with strong relationship with the United States, uh, full of, of course, positive and negative uh, elements. We very much want wisdom to prevail on both sides, but I personally believe that this wisdom must first start with the U.S. Yeah. 
Well, and I, I'm sure the Iranians would ref reflect the same way. Okay. I mean, obviously, um, covering a lot of territory here, but we've got a limited amount of time. Moving to your other key neighbor, or another key neighbor, Pakistan. Yes. Um, since you've spoken here last, I mean, a lot of change is taking place uh, in the country. Um, in Imran Khan, uh, a different style, maybe a different approach as well. You've always argued very strongly that there would be no possibility for peace uh, in the long term in Afghanistan without everyone understanding the future of Pakistan itself internally, but also obviously its engagement um, in uh, uh, Afghanistan, its support for elements of the Taliban and so on. Um, how do you see that relationship emerging or changing at the moment? What's different about it today? What could the Afghan government be doing? What are you expecting from the Pakistani government? We have uh, two sentiments towards Pakistan. Sentiment one, when we became refugees in Pakistan after the Soviet invasion of Afghanistan, the Pakistani people received us with tremendously open arms. We lived there for, you know, decades, some of us, uh, as if we were living in our own country. And we are very grateful for that. On the other hand, we have serious complaints against the Pakistani government and uh, their military institutions for the interference in Afghanistan, for the promotion to extremism, and all of that. We have also on our side in Afghanistan perhaps made some mistakes in, in, in the management of this relationship. While I tried my best to have the best of relations with them, I knew there were difficulties in both countries. With this background, Pakistan and Iran are the most important and most consequential neighbors of Afghanistan, the two countries that can impact us deeply. With the U.S. presence in Afghanistan or without it, they have an immense impact. Pakistan has the greatest impact. So peace in Afghanistan is indeed very much dependent on how we evolve our relations with Pakistan. We want the best of relationships with them. We have the issue of the Duran line with them. Mm -hmm. But the issue of the Duran line has not been ever used by Afghanistan to, to cause wars or conflicts mm -hmm. or other forms of instability between us and Pakistan. This has been something that the British did, and Pakistan is the, 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 um, uh, on the legacy side of it. Mm -hmm. In spite of all these differences, the fact is that Afghanistan cannot, can neither be peaceful nor prosperous without the best of relations with Pakistan. But you and Pakistan, likewise. But are things different? Have things changed? Are they changing? What, what's your reading of the relationship that exists now between um, the president and the Relationships are not good right now. Relationships are not good right now, unfortunately, but they, but they must improve and we cannot have peace in Afghanistan unless we find ways in Pakistan. Let's be very, very realistic. Yeah. India is the greatest friend of Afghanistan. India has been a tremendous contributor to Afghanistan. But the impact that Pakistan can make in Afghanistan is a lot greater than any other country. To, to, and for us to have peace, we yeah. need to have the best of relations with Pakistan. We need to promote this relationship. Yeah. No, I don't know how, but we need to. And to what extent, then, will the Pakistan relationship with Afghanistan be influenced by the state of Indian-Pakistan relations? I mean, is this a, an, it's always been a bit of a knock-on <coughs> effect. It's so, been, it's yeah. been not, not a bit of a knock-on effect, <laughs> but a, 
big uh, huge huge effect this this uh, uh, unfortunate state of relations between India and Pakistan has impacted us tremendously. We did try to balance this, but the balancing was very, very difficult. We will put it this way. We want to be the best friends with India. Mm -hmm. And Afghans have proven to be the best friends with India. But we will tell Pakistan that our friendship with India is not going to stop us from being the best brothers and friends with Pakistan. Mm -hmm. How to convey this is, 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 a, is a heavy, difficult task, but we must continue and we must manage that. Let me take you to a couple of other items. We've got about nine minutes uh, left. Um, the rise of ISIS. Mm -hmm. um, when uh, National Security Advisor uh, Hamdullah Mohib uh, was speaking here yesterday, he noted um, that there had really been some big successes uh, uh, on the Afghan side, and particularly in the Eastern Territories against ISIS. To what extent do you fear there's, a, there's, a, there's an evolution as the peace process with the Taliban perhaps, perhaps progresses into 2020? There's, there's almost an alternative uh, insurgency uh, uh, terrorist movement emerging with Afghanistan. Is this an implant that will not take root? Or is this an implant that is taking root that will play out of the same social frustrations as well uh, and economic frustrations that have come in the past? What, what's your sense of, uh, of ISIS? One of the issues that uh, seriously affects our, our thinking, our attitude towards the United States is the fact that they came in the name of peace and stability for Afghanistan and the region and the fight against extremism. That initially we all succeeded because the whole world was together with it. Today, we neither have security nor the defeat of extremism, but rather, unfortunately, it was under the U.S. military intelligence presence in Afghanistan, and in spite of their military and intelligence operations, that, that the ISIS and Daesh emerged in Afghanistan. So we see it as, uh, as a consequence of U.S. presence in Afghanistan, and we want the U.S. to, to address it together with the rest of the, the, the region. Just last month, uh, in, in, in a conversation with Ambassador Khalizad and their military people, they told us, the Americans, that the month of November had 3,700 Afghans killed and wounded, only in one month. So when you have that many of your people dying or getting wounded in a month, no matter how much territory you take or lose, you're not out of trouble. You're in deeper trouble. So the question shouldn't be for us, have, we, have the Afghan government taken territory or have we uh, done this or that? The question here is how to bring to an end the massive casualties to the Afghan people in life and property and to bring us to a normal life of peace and stability like the rest of the world. That should be our focus, not winning by killing. No, that's not our focus. That shouldn't be. But uh, the, the ability to complete a negotiation of this sort also relies on being able to have a balance of forces that's successful. The, you mentioned the large number of deaths, and particularly in 2019, of Afghan civilians, but the Afghan security forces have been taking a huge casualty. There are also well. Afghans. So, also Afghans. And there are Afghans as well. I mean, but. If the security forces are weak, the Taliban may decide that 
you know, they can negotiate and keep it going, and at some point they may win. Um, do you fear, A, that the Taliban could win <laughs> and decide the negotiation, keep it going, keep the war going, uh, the security forces get weaker? What's your sense? When you're in some form or the other of a major conflict in the past 40 years of your history, the question of winning becomes not secondary, but one that does not apply, yep. at least not to my mind. Yep. As an Afghan, I don't want to take a village from a Taliban by killing him and fellow villagers as well. I want to sit down with him and I want to resolve our issues. Hmm. Is the issue foreign presence in Afghanistan, the Americans? Do we have all other issues? It's not, it's, in other words, <clears throat> it isn't our war. <laughs> it isn't our conflict. It's somebody else's war. <laughs> Why should we be dying in it? Why should the Taliban be used in this conflict against their own country? <laughs> Why should we be used in this conflict against our own country and against our own people? So, you're getting my point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This isn't our war. But it is your country, and it, as you said, is Afghans exactly. fighting Afghans. But, um... It is not fighting Af Afghans fighting Afghans. It's Afghans uh, being put against another Afghans. Mm -hmm. And that's what we should end. We should retake re the hold of our own destinies. And is, is ISIS an implant, or is ISIS a manifestation of just another deeper ongoing set of frustration amongst Afghans? Very visible implant. Mm -hmm. Very clear implant. Mm -hmm. They fell from the sky. <laughs> well, they, they came out of and we know, places where they were. And we know who controls the skies. <laughs> uh, can't quite see. In any case, never mind. That image I is... I can tell you. Okay. Um, uh, I just want to pull back uh, in the end on one particular point. I mentioned the Washington Post, obviously, release of those papers. They were critical as well of your government. Um, some of those comments there. Corruption had flourished mm -hmm. during your tenure as president. Institutions have to be strong. If institutions aren't strong, uh, in a way, groups like the Taliban have the space to come in. Citizens don't feel they're getting what they need. They go for security rather than freedom. It's, a, it's almost a human uh, instinct, even if that security is brutal. Um, what do you think in terms of your legacy? What Could you have left something different? Are you worried that the legacy was was perhaps a form of peace, but the institutions weren't strong enough, or are you proud that you left institutions that were strong, but the peace wasn't strong enough? What? I left institutions behind. When, uh, when, when I took over, Afghanistan had, had none at all. No administration, no institution, no laws, no constitution, no roads, no this, no that. You keep counting. And we built it. And we built it with the help of the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. we, help, we built it with the, rest of the, with the help of the United States that I have a lot of uh, complaints against. We did it with the help of Britain. We did it with the help of India, with the help of Japan, with the help of our neighbors. So in what we have achieved, we are grateful to the rest of the world. Where we have suffered, we have told the rest of the world, don't do it this way. That causes us suffering, and that's our complaint. Therefore, Afghanistan has institutions. Where I was critical of the United States was, began with civilian casualties. Mm -hmm. Began with the violation of our homes, barging into our homes, blowing up gates, killing people, killing children, uh, killing women, uh, these were the issues that 
no honorable individual or nation will tolerate or accept. Will the Americans accept the Afghan forces going to their, into their homes in New Hampshire or in New Jersey and, 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 and arresting people and killing people? No, they'll shoot us for that. Will you agree it in Britain? Will the Indians agree to that? Will you agree the mother of all bombs being dropped on you? Tell me, anyone, will you agree that in your countries? Will you allow the mother of all bombs to be dropped somewhere in, in a desert in, in a part of the world? They did it. So we had to say no. On corruption, pity corruption. Day-to-day -day corruption in the delivery of services was our issue, surely. The issue of the Afghan government and people, sure. But huge money, huge contracts and subcontracts and subcontracts and, and hundreds of millions of dollars is an American issue. It's not our issue. Mm -hmm. They created, did it. It created and the Washington the and, and the Washington Post is right. Mm -hmm. It created well the Inspector General, which is more, I uh, suppose, to the point as well. Yes. Um, you have an office of the president. It is quite a presence, as I understand it, in Kabul. Mm -hmm. You're here, you're present, you're in Tehran, you're in Moscow. Mm -hmm. What is the role of former President Karzai uh, looking ahead? What do you see as your contribution, therefore? Former the President Karzai is citizen Karzai. <laughs> and that's my role. With a nice retinue, I hear. As well. Yes, <laughs> citizen Karzai. Citizen Karzai. Citizen Karzai, like all other Afghan citizens, wants to have his children go to school in Afghanistan, get raised in Afghanistan, get educated in Afghanistan, have good schools in Afghanistan, and when they are very good, send them to better schools somewhere in the world to get educated, to have life in our own country in dignity and pride. Mr. President, I think there's no doubt your commitment to your country, um, and I also want to thank you for taking a lot of questions, taking them very succinctly, and therefore giving, I think, this Raisina dialogue a very good feel into the situation in Afghanistan. Please thank President Karzai for his uh, visit here. Thank you for tuning in to Policy Pod, the ORF podcast. Please subscribe to our channel for updates on upcoming episodes.